Sometimes you just can't win with people. And you probably know what that's like. You have that coworker or that boss or that in-law or the parent or you're just like, I just can't ever really win or do well with them. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus knows because he's been there and we're going to see that today in Mark chapter 3. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And I'll go ahead and get started here. And, and, and again, we want to say welcome. I know we've got a bunch of new listeners here. And thank you so much for trusting us with this. I want to encourage you that I, for a lot of you, this is your New Year's resolution to get into the Bible on a daily basis. And a great New Year's resolution. It is. It's a great one. It really is. And and the, the problem is this, is that two weeks from now, a lot of you will have drifted away. It happens so quickly for so many people. You've just got to make up your mind. This is one day at a time, and I am not going to give up on this. you got to have a time set aside in your schedule. And if it means you get up a half hour early, which, you know, this is only 10, 10 to 15 minutes. I think we had a 14 minute to start or you know, to start this off. But um, we, we really try to stick close to 10 minutes. But you're talking 10 minutes out of your day. Get up 15, 20 minutes early so you can listen to this and spend some time praying and make this a daily habit. Put it in your calendar. Set aside time for God and have him as your priority first thing in the morning. All right, so here we are. We're chapter Mark 3, and uh, I'll get started then. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed, I mean, can you imagine? They're like, we want to see if he's going to work on a Sabbath by healing. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and Jesus got angry. Anger in and of itself is not sinful. It's what we do with that anger. He was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the men, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Man, the supporters oh man. of Herod would have been their enemies, but now you have two enemies coming yeah. together to go against Jesus. And and right. And and what was the reason? It wasn't just because he healed on the Sabbath. It was because he was gaining so much popularity. And in with all of that popularity, the people were listening to him. He had all this influence. And he was rocking the boat as far as their whole system that they yeah. they had so much dependence on. And what we're going to see throughout the rest of the chapter here is, yeah, Jesus has some people he just can't win with. But he's, first off, he's not going to make it a thing to just go at them. He's yeah. also not going to shrink back and try to fall in line. Uh-huh. He's going to continue to do what is right. right. And surround himself with, with good people. He's going yeah. to do this with the, choosing his disciples. Verse 7, Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples and a large crowd followed him. They came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from east of the Jordan River, and even from as far as north as Tyre and Sidon. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. He had healed many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw themselves on the ground in front of him, shrieking, You are the Son of God. But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. Afterward, Jesus went up to on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles, and they were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. And these are the 12 that he chose, Simon, whom he named Peter, 
James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. <laughs> Man, I would yeah. love that for a nickname. Well, it actually came because they lost their temper one time. Yeah. So this is like a nickname <laughs> yeah. you just gave them. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you guys are. Wasn't necessarily a great nickname. No. <laughs> Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, Matthew was Levi, uh, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. It's so funny when I see these names, it takes me back to when I was in, uh, it's like bridge kids that we call a junior church when I was growing up. And Maddie Trinick, who does our What's Happening, um, she is also like kind of the mind behind this podcast yeah. and writes the descriptions we've had, we've had her on a couple of times. But her mom, um, who you were just very good family friends yep. with, yep. she taught me she taught me a song on how to remember all the oh. twelve disciples. And so when I when I read these names, I can almost sing all of these Mark names, which I'm not going Luke to. And John, <laughs> that's a different. Yeah, oh, well, that's yeah, the yeah. books of the Bible, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, verse twenty. <clears throat> Uh, should I take it from here? Yep. It says, one time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind. They said, so now we have Jesus's, looks like, yeah, right. Jesus's own family saying he's out of his mind. The <laughs> teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan? He asked. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? How, he would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Mm. Only someone even greater. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Yeah, I love Jesus' logic here. He's just using logic to destroy their argument that they're yeah. using against him. To tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. There's been a lot of questions about what that actually means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it, it looks here like it's a false accusation. But in reality, the sin against the Holy Spirit is an ultimate rejection of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit was revealing to them who Jesus was and that we can be taken right up to the very brink of the decision to follow Jesus. And it's that rejection, ultimate rejection of faith, that that's the only sin that anybody can be condemned for. Yeah. And these Pharisees were guilty of that. He told them this because they were saying he was possessed by an evil spirit. Then Jesus's mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There's a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Now, this is a, a verse I don't think I see too much in Catholic circles. Because no, what they try to do is, you know, they try to say, well, the Greek word that it can mean distant relatives, brothers and sisters. But the primary use in, in you, the, you naturally right away are always going to go to the way, the way Adelphos brothers the way this means is these were his blood brothers. Yeah. These were his, his half-brothers, half-sisters. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mothers and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Kind of goes back to what we used to tell you when you were growing up, uh, as well as your siblings, that we are so glad that you're in our family. But the most important family to be a part of, the only family that will keep us together forever is the family of God. Yeah. That being related spiritually matters so much more than being related by blood. Yep. All right, we're going to get over to Psalms and uh, Psalms, and I think we're, we're doing Psalms 6 
and seven today, if I if I remember correctly. So, yeah. so um, yep, six and seven. Psalm six and seven, and you know, I, I actually want to repeat a theme that we looked at last week and and that or, or yesterday. That is, we talked about God when we're close to him, he becomes this shelter. Well, David repeats this. This this is something we find throughout Psalms. We have it repeated right away again today. And I think it's good for us to go back to that because it's such a good question to ask myself. Am I resting in Jesus? Am I in God's bosom that, that, you know, being protected by him, his arm over my shoulder? Am I walking through life arm in arm with him, walking closely with him? Because Psalm 7, 1, I come to you for protection, O Lord my God. Save me from my persecutors. Rescue me. And then he says, if you don't, they will maul me like a lion, tearing me to pieces like uh, with no one to rescue me. Because, man, we're living in a harsh world, and there's a lot of bad stuff going on out there. There's sin flying around all around us. There's all, you know, all these political powers and authorities and and people that want to hurt us. If we're not walking arm in arm with our God, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And, it, and then verse 10 of, of Psalm 7 says the same thing. He says, God is my shield, saving those whose hearts are true and right. He wants to be your shield. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Are you walking arm in arm with him? It goes back to like what you were saying yesterday about the umbrella. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar concept, Yep, which is cool. All right. Well, <clears throat> today is National Memento Mori Day. What is that? I know what I'm, I know what a mento is. I like yeah. mentos. Is that what it is? <laughs> Mo- momento. Momento. Mem- like, momento. Like momentous. Like uh, remember. Like a moment. No, remember. <laughs> and then mori would be die. So it's remember you Death? die day. Remember you die day. Yeah. It's like a, a a way to remember reflect. Remember you're gonna like, die. Yeah. Remember you're gonna no. die. It's well, which is which is that's a good thing though. Yeah, um, Psalm says to teach us to number our days. That yeah. We live different when we know that we're not going to live uh-huh. forever. Only those who are prepared to die are truly prepared to live. Yeah, who said that? That was, was Billy Graham's. Uh, that was actually Billy Graham's father-in-law. Now I've just his name just okay. left my head, but I know who. He, yeah. I know, I've read a number of stuff by him. Yeah. I here's the thing, and I don't mean to take this podcast very yeah. dark, but the reality is, is like there could be listeners right now who are not going to make it to twenty twenty-five. Yeah. So let's live this year as if this is this is the last day God's yeah. given us. Let's let's give it to Him. Let's sacrifice for Him. You know, let's leave it all on the field. I was just in a room with another man who invited me to come in. Wanted me. He asked everybody else to leave and asked me to to come in and to talk about the end of his life and his funeral. And he gave me some some things that he had written down. And one of these was a card that we had actually had as part of our sermon years ago. So it, it's not like just recently he started thinking about what do I want my funeral to be like? And the card was, I, you might remember this. It was a so what moment in our sermon when we asked Did the question. Joseph, right? I think we had a plan your own funeral day. Yeah. Yep. yep. And yep. and that was the question is what? how do you want people to remember you? And he had that, that whole thing filled out and he took it so very seriously. Mm-hmm. I just think it's, it's a vital thing. I I don't live my life thinking about death, but I don't mind funerals. Your mom and I, we we still enjoy walking through cemeteries. Yeah. There's just something about being able to see the brevity of life that adds meaning to the lives that we have. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So thanks for that, Junior. Yeah. Thanks for that. Right. Even though I didn't know what it yeah. meant. <laughs> now we turn the dark, the podcast a little bit dark, but it's yeah. not dark if you're a follower of Jesus yeah. that... 
um, that what was it Psalms that says that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the yes. saints that when you know Jesus death isn't something that you run from mm-hmm. alright make it a good day today and we'll be with you tomorrow